0: The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine Opie show. I am Howard Sudbury, and you are. Steve Baskerville. And on the next back to you, we're going to visit with Sophie Doyle, who is one of the top female jockeys in America. And Steve, I think that her conversation is fascinating about her home country and about race riding. Race riding? Yes. <laughs> what sounded like you said race rioting? No. Wait, no what are you doing? Riding. This, good lord. Did it sound like rioting? <laughs> it sounded like race rioting. Yeah. You didn't remember that part. Sure, did you? I missed that. <laughs> On the next show, we're going to visit with Sophie Doyle, one of the top female jockeys in the country. She is fantastic. What an athlete! I have no idea what a jockey's routine is, and what happens out there when it's. And you know what? She's also going to give us some insight on what it's like to have lunch with the Queen of England. Hmm. That's on the next Back to You with Stephen Howard. I'll be there. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. A Tony Lozano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits podcast network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. <laughs> Following is a Tony Lasano podcast and OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride here on the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon along with uh, Lou Costable and we're back for another uh, great show here on the Car Guys Report. As usual Lou, uh, things to talk about. I've got a, a, a cool story to tell you. I've been waiting to uh, to to uh, enlighten your world with this story. I think you'll get a, a charge out of it as uh, you know uh, we all have friends that drive uh, old cars and obviously I drive old cars too, but I a good friend of mine that I, I go to a lot of car shows with, and he is a Volvo uh, fan, and he's a genuine Swede, and he has three. Uh, vintage Volvos, all 1950s models. He's got a 54, a 56, and a 59. Uh, The 54 and the 56 are PV 444s, and the 59 is a PV 544. And just in case you're wondering, the 444 moniker stands for the year the car was first introduced to the public, although they didn't start manufacturing them until after the war. But 1944 was when it was introduced as as a car to get orders on and 4 for the 4 cylinder engine. So that's where the PV444 uh comes from and he's got a beautiful 1954 444. It's in the perfect shade of gray. It's like a gloss gray. Everybody comments on the color of that car. It's amazing. And the car's pretty much all original. It was uh imported into this country several years ago and we were leaving a car show it at night um And I turned off uh, to go my way home, and he he ended up going straight. And the next day, he calls me up, and he goes, you'll never guess what happened. So he was driving along the residential neighborhood, and the car started to uh, not run right, started to lose some power, and started to backfire. So he pulled off to the side of the road, and um, he was wondering what's going on. And about five minutes later, a police car comes up, and and was inquiring what the problem was with his vehicle and he said well it just started to lose some power and and i can't get it started so i'm waiting here to figure out if i should call a tow truck or whatever and the the policeman said well i'll be back with you in a few minutes we had reports of gunshots in the area and those gunshots were his car backfiring oh really (laughs) which is and and then i started thinking about this because it's like okay Every car these days on the road is fuel injected, any modern car. Sure. And there's got to be a whole bunch of people that have either not heard a car backfire in years or decades or have never heard a car backfire. And if you hear a car backfire, especially at night, it does sound very, very similar to gunshots. Oh, yeah. And it was amazing. So and, and he said, well, you know, that was my car making... <laughs> <laughs> making the noise. Speaking of those gunshots. Yeah, so... i seen I, a guy run
1: behind the bush over
0: there. Exactly. I just thought it was the <laughs> the funniest story because I have, you know, I, I haven't heard a car backfire in front of me for ages. And I remember one time I was, this is 30 years ago, I was driving to work and there was a Jaguar uh, XJ6, an early XJ6, obviously carbureted. And uh, it was in, in front of me and it started to backfire. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know what was going on at first. And then I realized it was a car backfiring, but it really does sound like gunshots. So that was a just a... a a funny story to, to relate because it's just, you know, when you really start thinking about it, how many times do you really hear a car backfire these days, except maybe at a car show or something if someone's having some trouble getting their cars going, but uh, it's just funny that, that that happened to him. So he got it fixed, everything's fine, I guess what happened was the points or something and the distributor loosened up or, or the points opened up or something and that's obviously the timing got off and that's yeah. why I was backfiring, but um, I've, got,
1: I've got a quick funny yeah. back, backfire sure. story. Sure. Okay, so I'm uh, a, f- uh, a friend of mine has a uh, Porsche Rough Turbo. Oh yeah. And he says, "Lou, uh, uh there's a show coming up. I wouldn't mind if you take it out there." I'm like, "Yeah, sure. No, no problem." So I'm on 90 and I'm driving west towards this car show, and all of a sudden here comes some tuners coming up alongside. Mm-hmm. Me. You know, I mean, they've got the big wings and they're low to the ground and they're I don't know, Subarus
0: or something like and that. And the big uh can mufflers on the, the back.
1: B- yeah, I call them fart pipes. Yeah, far, so, yeah. So, fart can so, mufflers. So, yeah, so, so these guys come up alongside me, right, and they're somehow backfiring their cars i don't know how they're doing it but and, and they obviously want to somehow race me or something sure. like this or so i'm interpreting this so i'm getting ready to really jump on it and t- show, show them what this is all about and as i'm getting ready to do that i realize my car is decelerating and my car is the one that's backfiring <laughs> as they're driving oh her. man so i end up pulling off and we quickly got it figured out uh, but, but uh, what yeah. was it Uh, You know, it was just a fuel mixture. It was just, you know, way off. And uh, so I was...
0: So your roof was running rough.
1: (laughs) My roof was running rough, and uh, we were blowing uh, flame (laughs) shows out the back (laughs) of it. (laughs)
0: That is great. Speaking of car shows, too, there was uh, some some good shows that I've been going to lately. I'm still going to some of the smaller uh, small town shows for excitement. But I went to a show up in Wisconsin. And this will warm your heart. Uh, It was about 1,234 cars. Wow. uh, Very good uh, show. That's the first time I had been to that one. And there was a a gentleman. um, I had my Impala there. And my friend had his uh, Volvo. And this guy walks up and starts talking to us. And he's got a sob shirt on. And uh, he's talking to my friend with the Volvo, and I said, you know, I got a Saab uh, 96, and I started talking to him about it. And he goes, I think I've seen that car online somewhere. And I said, well, it's been, you know, it's been videoed. It's been a few articles have been around. He goes, the video, that's where I saw it. I saw it in motion. So he saw my car on your channel. I like it. And it was very cool. And he was just so excited, and, and it was really cool to actually meet somebody that had just seen my car out of the blue. And then he meets me in person, and then he knew, obviously you know, he saw my car on your channel. so it was Yeah, a, on the a YouTube neat, channel, yeah, My Car it all Story came, with Lou. It all came yeah. home. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> come,
1: come on home. I like that. It was cool. That'll be my new tagline. <laughs> come on home. Come on home to My Car Story with Lou.
0: Another car uh, that, <laughs> you know, that uh, the summer's always a good time to, to see cars on the road. And and I I always try, you know, obviously you can tell when a car show's happening because you see a lot of cars going in one direction and you see, oh, wow, I haven't seen that many Mustang cars boss three or whatever's and you know 10 years in one direction but i just like to see stuff driving around the neighborhood and, and not necessarily going to a car show and i guess the color is called primrose is that that real pale kind of yellow color pale yellow it's kind of a gross color but some cars are painted that i saw a beautiful 65 impala convertible classic summer cruiser black interior top down in primrose and uh, just a a great summer ride and of course 65 I believe was the year that they sold like a million Impalas. I think it's like the high watermark of of Chevy in its uh, its day but even though you know there's not a million of them left that's for sure but uh, just one of those cool cars that uh, we've seen uh, driving around and that's what we do here on the Car Guys Report. We uh, pay attention to what we see on the roads, at car shows, on Lou's channel uh, online, just anywhere uh, a car will pop up we'd like to uh, try to talk about it if it's cool. And if you like what we're doing here on the Car Guys Report, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at CarGuysPodcast. That is on Twitter. We're available online at Radiomisfits.com. And, of course, you can email us, too. We'd love to uh, get your comments, suggestions, uh, anything like that. Please send us an email at Report at hotmail. Dot com. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. You're listening to the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. And Lou, I filed this story under, you knew it had to happen. And you were even uh, scratching your head right before we uh, started uh, taping this uh, episode of the Car Guys Report. As you know, uh, pickup trucks in the U.S. are huge business. The Ford F-150 has been the best-selling pickup and the best-selling vehicle for something like 4 decades now in the US they move something like three quarters of a million of those a year and you can get a fully loaded uh Ford pickup uh if you get like the King Ranch and all the stuff. I mean they can top out eighty eighty five thousand dollars and probably even a little bit more and now Chevy is considering bringing out a one hundred thousand dollar MSRP uh list price pickup truck because they just feel that uh The market is there for it, which is just unbelievable. They're calling it a luxury-oriented pickup truck. There's no solid evidence yet, but they're saying that uh, Sandor Pizar, who is uh, Chevrolet Truck's marketing chief, said that people want to trade up. So I guess if you just drive a regularly lowly Silverado or something, you want to trade up to $100,000 a pickup truck, and they think that the market is there. So we'll see. They say they're ready to deliver a more expensive truck if customers want it. Um, they wouldn't commit to saying such a vehicle was in development, but you can kind of think if they're talking about it in the press, they probably have a pretty much uh, idea of how it's going to go. Um, they said that, obviously, the new Silverados, which is the uh, the Chevy lineup, they're, where pickups have really come, come huge, uh, made huge strides in the last few years, have been in their uh, fit and finish and their interiors i mean some of the interiors especially i know the new dodge ram pickups have been getting amazing uh reviews their interiors are like luxury cars i mean they're using fine grade leather they're using the you know the contrasting stitching it's got all the the comforts of home and just that's what people want, but that that that's what the car makers make their money on, so they're expanding in this case Chevy is looking at expanding um their trim packages and engine choices as well with the hundred thousand potential hundred thousand dollar pickup but um They're saying that Chevy could easily build a truck with soft-closed doors, which is uh, something you see only on luxury sedans where you don't even have to slam the door. You just kind of – it's like a a soft-closed drawer in your kitchen. You just kind of touch it, and and it motors in and locks up automatically. Uh, Reclining rear seats, latest safety features, uh, latest electronics, everything like that. But. Something, if you just happen to be walking through your local Chevy dealer one of these days, you might just uh, see that uh, sticker on that uh, Silverado uh, edging closer to the $100,000 mark. And it's funny because $100,000, you know, there's a lot of cars that are in that price range these days. Usually, they're still luxury cars, but, I mean, you can get Cadillacs. Escalades can get close to $100,000. The gigantic Lincoln Navigator uh, SUV is like a ninety or $95,000 vehicle. So it's just one of those things. It's the world we live in right now. But uh, do you remember um, back in the day, and we're talking about the early 70s, uh, late sixties, early seventies, when Honda was first getting started in our market. Do you remember their their original car, the N six hundred, the tiny, tiny, tiny little car? Do you yeah, remember seeing uh, that tin
1: can with windows?
0: Basically, it's it's they're they're adorable. They really are. It's almost like the the, the equivalent of the Honda Beat now, which is a J- Japanese domestic market vehicle like, that kind of look like a Mini. Yeah, they do. They kind of look like a Mini because it's a kind of a. a, a, a a three-door hatchback design, but very small. I mean, things scale down tremendously. And this always makes me feel good when uh, an automobile manufacturer embraces its heritage and its history. You're seeing that a lot in a lot of the foreign manufacturers. Uh, Mercedes-Benz runs a classic restoration uh, shop in California that people obviously need deep pockets, but people can bring any Mercedes ever made to that facility and they will restore it and if they don't have the parts they will make the parts which is just amazing but they but mercedes is also known for keeping a very very deep um supply of parts for their cars that haven't been sold for a long time they, they're very into their heritage and um some of the other uh, bmw aston martin uh porsche i believe is is starting to get into the classics uh that, that's kind of the, the catch-all phrase and lately, Honda has been getting into that, too. They're going to restore the very first car that they brought to to the U.S. It was in 1967. It was an N600, which is the the tiny little car we've been talking about. VIN number 001, which is totally cool. And it's um, going to be going to the Honda Museum, but it's going to be uh, fully restored by Honda. The uh, story is... Um, there was a, uh, mechanic in Los Angeles by the name of Tim Mings who found, uh, this N 600 without realizing, you know, what it was. And he finally looked at the VIN number and just kind of started putting two and two together and thought, wow, this is the first N 600 ever made. And, uh, He's done a ton of these as a restoration. So um, Honda is going to take it, restore it, and uh, put it in their museum as a tribute to um, their history. And I think that's great because it's just uh, a way that these cars are going to live on for many more people to see in the future because it's just something that you know this was a throwaway car back then people would never have thought about i'm gonna you know keep my n600 till the wheels fall off but there are very few of them left and if you ever get a chance to see one definitely check it out because they're really cool looking cars they're tiny little cars and that's even before uh Honda had a reputation for building. You know, a lot of the early Japanese cars in the late '60s and early '70s here. You know, they rusted really badly and they weren't necessarily reliable. And and then and then they kind of changed their game and and got their quality going. And that's kind of what put the 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 threat into the U.S car market at the point but we have to take a quick break the car guys report informed automotive we'll be right back Lasano and friends i do this podcast really yeah you should listen to it uh, what's it called well Lasano and friends
1: Lasano and Friends or Lasano and Friends? No,
0: it's Lasano. It's totally different. Oh, yeah. go, yeah. crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, man. It'd be nice <laughs> if Tony were actually here today for this uh, promo we're doing. No, I think a promo stands on its own better when the star of the show is not in it whatsoever. Well, Are know. we
1: friends with each other or just Tony? I'm friends on Facebook. Yeah, hey, we're hey, friends hey, on hey, Facebook. Quite, quite, quite. But well, yeah,
0: Lasano and Friends. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. So is this really a promo? How long
1: are we going? (laughs)
0: Radiomisfits.com This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. We are happy to have Mark Cuban on the show. Is there a way that we can monetize my daughter's eye rolls? Can you do anything? Can, Can you figure that
1: out? So my daughter, I'll let her put on on SiriusXM whatever song she likes. We pull into this half circle when I drop her off. And, you know, she's ready to get out of the car. I'll say, I love you, sweetie. Bam! Blast it. And, you know, and if it's a song I know the words to,
0: then I'm singing along, too. And her friends are looking at me and looking at
1: the oh, car. Oh, man. There's nothing
0: you know. more embarrassing than dad singing along. <laughs> oh, man. It's like, Kiki, do you love me? <laughs> Tony Lasano podcast and Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network RadioMisfits.com. And we're back. Another thing we like to do here on the Car Guys Report, Lou, as you know, we like to talk about uh, cars that have been uh, either for sale recently and sold on auction sites or or maybe for sale now uh like on a site on hemmings like hemmings.com but uh, we also like to look at uh, bring a trailer which is an auction site that uh, caters to uh, cars uh, mainly uh collector type vehicles special interest and i always like to see which cars sell there and for what price because there's some amazing things that pass through that uh through that auction site. And I'm not a big convertible guy. I know you have your Jaguar convertible, but you have it usually in Arizona where you can enjoy top-down motoring. But um, this is a car that I would say it's probably well-bought from the uh, buyer's perspective and well-sold from the uh, seller's perspective. A 1967 Mercedes-Benz 250 SE Cabriolet. So it's the uh, classic... um, late 60s early 70s um i I don't know if this would be considered because they didn't really have like an e-class and an s-class then it's kind of the the bigger convertible mercedes it's not the pagoda it's not the 280 sl or anything this car had approximately eighty thousand miles on it kind of a neat color combination havana brown over cream so kind of a kind of a classy looking color with a brown top had some uh restoration done here and there along the lines um But uh, it's a six-cylinder. It's not a V8. If the V8 was in there, it would have commanded a lot more of price. But it sold for—and this isn't cheap. It sold for $91,000. But I just thought that uh, overall for a—basically, it's a hand-built car because they were still hand-building cars back then at Mercedes, more or less. And it's at the Cabriolet. It's a classic style. It's kind of a neat color. I think the the seller and the buyer did pretty good on that for ninety one thousand. If the little uh, TLC and a you know probably maybe ten grand more or fifteen grand more put into that vehicle, I think you'd have a pretty darn nice car that will only um, appreciate in value. I wish I could say that about my cars. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, Lou, does your does your does your Viper appreciate at all? Uh, what's the deal there? I appreciate it every time yeah. I drive it. <laughs> Have you ever checked the prices? I assume it's going up since you've. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't.
1: I, you know, I just get in it and go and just love on it. We're
0: still gonna, we're still gonna do a segment. Somebody on... Somebody can tell me. We're still gonna do a segment on the on the program of these days. The story behind lose. Viper. So it's kind of turning my car story with Lou on its head because we're going to talk about the story behind Lou's Viper because it's a very interesting uh, story and I'm sure that uh, you'll be wanting to uh, hear that. That is definitely coming up on a future episode of the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. If you like what Lou and I are doing here on the uh, Car Guys Report informed automotive, then be sure to check out some of the other programs on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like Minutia Men. That's an OPI show. Uh, Rick Kempfer and Dave Stern are consumers of worthless information, and each week they share their take on what they have learned in their podcast called Minutia Men. It's an OPI show, and it's available only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. dot I'm Mark Vernon along with uh, Lou Costable. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. And, you know, Lou, as, uh, as, you, as you're uh, well aware, since, especially since you're a Mopar guy. Um Lee Iacocca passed away uh, recently, and there was a lot of uh, tributes and and well-written obituaries about the gentleman. Uh, Probably one of the more flamboyant and uh, well-known car executives, I would put him in the realm of like a John DeLorean, um, a guy that, you know, totally spoke his mind. And um, became actually the face of Chrysler uh, in the 80s. He started appearing in commercials and things like that. And he was also most famous for uh, basically getting a government. They called it a bailout. I don't know if it was a, it was a government loan. Um, of a couple billion dollars and they paid it off early and it basically saved chrysler at the time he was 94 years old when he passed away and i just wanted to do a little different remembrance of lee iacocca and apologies since you're a a mopar guy we might say a few things here that that might not sit well with you but of course i like all cars i'm good of course uh, lee iacocca worked for ford for a long time too and what i found was uh, consumer reports uh, decided to uh, go back in their files and see what they said about the cars that Lee Coca had a hand in, uh, and this is dating back to you know like the mid '60s with the Mustang, because that's obviously what Lee Coca probably in the car world is most famous for is 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 promoting and 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 wanting to bring out the Mustang. What uh, Consumer Reports testers liked, in driving CR's test staff has done so far, four characteristics stand out. We're talking about the 1964 and a half Mustang. The riding qualities of Consumer Reports' Mustang are good. The unit structure is very solid over rough roads, though the convertible models figures to be less so. Uh, one of the most impressive features is an almost complete absence of poor fit and sloppy workmanship in a car being built as a, at a hell for leather pace because they had so many orders they had to just be cranking those things out what uh, consumer reports testers didn't like about the mustang the 170 cubic inch engine gave it a sprightly uh, rather uh than powerful feeling performance so they're saying it was a little anemic but it was quite satisfactory for normal use particularly with the four-speed transmission which was not very smooth shifting at the start but promises improvement when run in the steering was rather slow fairly precise and very easy no power steering is needed on this model. And then we go to the Ford Pinto, which uh, a lot of people remember as a basically uh Ford's answer to the uh Chevrolet Vega. They were out at the same time. They were both pretty crappy cars, I think.
1: Well, Lee Iacocca was connected with the Pinto, really? Yeah, he I, was. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah. I knew the Mustang. Yeah. I didn't know about the In
0: Pinto. 1971, uh, Consumer Reports tested the uh, Pinto, and they said that things that they like, the front bucket seats are close to the floor and are contoured for side support. Unlike the Vegas front seats, the Pintos are thinly padded. I don't know why that would be good, but front legroom leg room is adequate for most adults, even though the wheel wells encroach slightly on foot space, which is what you find in a lot of small cars. And we judge front seating comfort to be, fair. They said the uh, things they didn't like, the suspension uh, lets you feel every bump, ridge, and pebble. Um, They said that the uh, lively steering wheel kicked and shook in the driver's hands as the car (laughs) encountered road irregularities, and they didn't like the all-drum brakes. They proved to be directionally unstable when used very hard. And then here it says, the Pinto later faced public criticism for the safety of its fuel system design, which we all remember, the exploding Pintos, and ultimately there was a voluntary recall of a million and a half uh, Pintos um, to uh, redesign the uh, gas tank or put a shield or something back there to prevent that uh, potential of fires in a crash. Now this is probably the low water mark in in Lee Iacocca's career. Of course, he was at the uh, the helm when the Chrysler K car was <laughs> that I remember was uh, introduced, and the K car was Chrysler's. To me, it was Chrysler's. Um, uh, answer to the uh gm i think they were called the x-body cars the citation The mainly the chevy citation that was a front-wheel drive four-cylinder car although you could get a v6 in it um they made it in two and four-door styles yeah, the cadillac shimmer oh don't even mention that oh man <laughs> the cimarron yeah <sighs> it gives me chills although the cimarron <laughs> wasn't that wasn't an x-body that was a a cavalier i think that was gussied up to be a to be a, a Cadillac, if I'm not mistaken.
1: The K car was a but, was a for those people who don't remember it. Why they wouldn't remember it is because they pretty much evaporated exactly as soon as they were on the yeah. road. they they really didn't last that long. They were almost like um, when you go into Aldi and you want to get green beans. Yeah. and it just says green beans <laughs> on the can. <laughs> There's no instruction. There's no label. There's not even, like, what's inside it. Just Just generic as anything. That was the K car. Uh, But the beauty to that car was that was really what got them their loan back really
0: quick. Yeah, because they sold a boatload of those things. Yeah. Uh, did you ever? I've never driven a K car. Have I have you? driven a K car. What were your impressions? Well,
1: there is no horsepower. I yeah. mean, you stepped on it, and you kind of looked around, and you waved to the guy next to you, <laughs> and you waited. And,
0: and the lady in the walker on the sidewalk. Yeah, and Yeah, she's
1: passing, <laughs> yeah. Me, she's passing me with the walker. Yeah, so there was absolutely no performance in the K car. You were lucky if you got to 65, but... Yeah. Uh, but uh, it was a box. It and, was totally and, a box, a three-box design. If there you ever could, was one, you could put you could put you know bench seat in the front, so you had a uh, you know, gosh, this is almost embarrassing talking about it. But the uh, uh, you know, but it was everything except the engine performance. Uh, take a Briggs and Stratton motor, put it in a car, and put four, you know, put windows and two doors on it. And that was my car. Yeah.
0: And, um, they did them. They sold a boatload of them. And again, it's one of these cars that no one ever hung on to. So if you ever see one at a car show or a cruise night these days, as dorky as it may look, um, that's probably one of the only ones left around because nobody hung on to these things and, and they just used them up or they rusted away or whatever. And you just don't, I even can't even remember the last time I saw a K car, (laughs) um, But they did say, uh, Lou, the uh, Consumer Reports said that at a steady 55 miles an hour, the K car delivered 31.3 miles a gallon, which is pretty good, in 1981. And they said a 195-mile trip included rural roads, some stop-and-go driving, a stretch of expressway, averaged 27.2. That's not bad because they all had probably a three-speed automatic in there. I don't know if it would have had a four-speed. What they didn't like, they didn't like the ride. Um, the handling wasn't that great. They said a full load made each of the car, K cars ride less uncomfortably, which makes sense because a lot of times when you load up a suspension, it, it, the cars run better. Um, they don't really say too much about the performance uh, aspects of it. I guess they were just um, more enthralled with the um, fuel economy. And, of course, uh, a high watermark along with the um, Mustang in Lee Iacocca's tenure would have been the uh, Chrysler minivan. And that was the thing that really kind of just turned the entire uh, auto industry on its head because everyone all of a sudden decided they didn't want station wagons anymore. And here's this new thing that came out called a minivan in 1984, the Plymouth Voyager. And I remember one of my first jobs, um, our our manager had one of those. What was the
1: first year for that minivan? uh, It says August
0: 1984. Wow. That's when that's when CR that's when CR Consumer Reports first evaluated it, but that would make sense because they're usually one of the first to get in there to tell people what what they think of it. And it's it's hard to believe it. it's 30 almost 35 years ago. It would be 35 years ago that the uh that the uh, uh minivan came out. Uh they liked it because it had um, you know, a reasonable ride, they had tons of room for cargo and things like that. They said the handling wasn't that great. Um they said a three hundred fifty dollars option package turns the basic five seater Voyager into a seven seater. In the seven passenger model, the second seat is a bench that accommodates two. It felt spongy, providing low, a little lower back support and virtually no side support. But you're not going to be tearing down the road in a in a in a minivan. But of course, you know now minivans have been supplanted by SUVs. And actually, Lee Iacocca was was part of that, too, because the Jeep Grand Cherokee came out during his tenure, too. In 1992, uh, Consumer Reports said they liked the 4.0-liter 6, which is a great engine in that car, and um, they said it, it handles um, responsibly compared to other SUVs they tested. Again, they didn't like the the ride too much, but it, basically a, the Jeep Grand Cherokee back then was a, basically a truck um, so it's not going to uh, handle that great. And then they said, our Jeep arrived, w- arrived with or developed 12 sample defects. Most serious was the failure of the security power lock door lock system. Even after several trips to the dealer and a visit from factory engineers, the door sometimes still locks on its own when it's closed. And that's in 1993. But uh, that's just a look back on some of the cars that Lee Iacocca had a uh, hand in, either directly promoting or while he was... Um, president of Chrysler Corporation and uh, I don't know if we'll ever see people like Lee Iacocca and John DeLorean and those kind of rebel type CEOs in the car industry these days. What do you think?
1: Well, a couple of thoughts on Lee Iacocca. I mean, uh, I can remember... I do remember the K car and him marketing it.
0: If you and, find a better car, buy it. That was his his line from the commercials. Well,
1: to your point, it made you feel very American mm-hmm. at the time. It was like, buy this car. We all know we're in trouble as a car industry. And being American, buy this car. Yeah. I'm going to make it affordable for you so we can pay these guys back. So he, he touched your, your heart as... You know, to the core. You know, we wanted to do something for the country. We all felt that Detroit was behind at that point, and some of the other foreign car makers caught up, and we wanted to kind of buy American. So it was it was great. He was also, we didn't talk about it, but he was also involved in the Viper, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So I think he was grabbing Carol Shelby and had Carol Shelby talk a little bit about the modern Cobra. And mm-hmm. in my opinion, that really change the game because we really didn't have anything that was i mean you had the the Trans Am, and you had the camaro and the mustang was the fox body at the time which was an which was an okay car uh, i had one of those i enjoyed it too bad you don't have it
0: now because they're going they're going way up in value
1: yeah so um uh, but to your point the um uh, uh you know the viper was you know, the modern-day Cobra. Mm-hmm. So oh, it, was, yeah. it was really cool to have that flavor of, we're going to go back to doing something crazy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was great.
0: And, uh, you know, every I think every car manufacturer needs a, a halo car, as it were. I mean, obviously Chevy's had the Corvette for years, but Chrysler didn't really have anything for a long time, and Ford's got the Mustang. So Chrysler really needed some kind of heritage halo car to really kind of, you know, show that they're with it and can produce stuff like that. And nowadays it seems to be it's like the Hellcat you know cuz the, the yeah the challenger yeah yeah um another thing we wanted to talk about and this is interesting too and, and Lou's actually had some some uh direct contact with this gentleman I subscribed to a um a magazine called Route 66 Magazine. It's just about, uh, it's, it's a quarterly publication, and it uh, deals with uh, just anything along uh, the, the Route 66. that runs from Chicago to uh, Santa Monica, California, and obviously it's changed dramatically over the uh, the years. But there's all kinds of interesting things that the magazine writes about, and one of them was the Dwarf, Car Museum, no, we're not talking about castaways from Wizard of Oz, but uh, we're talking about a gentleman named Ernie Adams and he's in the Arizona desert, and he's actually built six or seven dwarf cars from scratch. And the guy had no—he started doing this, like, in the 60s. He's still around, and it takes him something like five years to do each car. And when you see these cars, they literally look like a two-thirds scale model of a full-size vehicle. And he's got a 48 Ford, and it's just amazing uh, the way—or a 39 Chevy, I think, is what it is. But it's amazing the detail that he gets in these things because they look just like a fully functional automobile. And, Lou, you said that you've actually been there? Um, or driven by or something like that because he's in Arizona? Well, in Arizona,
1: they have a car show that happens every Saturday on uh, Indian Bend Road, I believe it is, at the Rock and Roll McDonald's. And when I went there that time, they have it Saturday night, usually 4 o'clock. They box off the whole um, parking lot, and they make sure that they play some great music. So the interesting thing was when I got there, you saw this car that was I don't know, a 50s car, but it was just smaller. Mm-hmm. At the same time, in this one I videoed, there was a Jeep there that was a supersized Jeep of a Willie's Jeep, a 42 Willys Jeep called Big Willie. So if you went to My Car Story with Lou and pulled up Big Willy. It's the only person I've ever asked to video is Big Willie. So you take a look at that compared to this this dwarf car, and it was the uh, you know you were talking about the Twilight Zone. I was calling it the Carlight yeah. Zone. <laughs> you know, as Lou goes to a car show, <laughs> amazingly, he said you know it was one of those type of you know odd moments where you're like, what, what am I seeing yeah. here today? So,
0: yeah, nothing makes sense here. <laughs> yeah, nothing's making sense here today. Yeah, this guy's amazing. He says uh, each project begins with photographs being taken of a classic car, measurements gauged, and then the process of fabric- Fabricating every element of the vehicle commences. And this is one guy in the Arizona desert doing this. He creates everything. He makes all the metal parts from scratch. And he's doing it so it's scaled down correctly. So if it's like an 18-inch part and he wants to do it two-thirds, he'd take two-thirds of 18 inches and, you know, shrink the car that way or whatever the scale is going to be. And uh, he has his museum. It's in Mara... Uh, does it say Maricopa? Um, yep. yeah, and it says it's open daily from 9am to 4pm, uh, except for mid June to early July, no admission charge, but donations are greatly appreciated. And unfortunately he doesn't list a website because I was going to look him up online and maybe he doesn't have a website cause he's too busy just creating these things, but he's got a 49 Mercury, a 42 Ford convertible, a 29 Ford Hillbilly truck, which is like the uh, Beverly Hills truck and a 39 Chevy sedan.
1: Beverly Hillbillies.
0: Yes. Yes. Yep. yep. And, um, they're all you know scale dwarfs as he calls them of the full-size vehicles so it's just something if you're ever out in that area it's something definitely to check out because it's something that you're not going to see um anywhere and of course being in the desert these cars will last forever because they don't rust or anything like that but hats off to this guy for for being completely uh, dedicated to his craft and really making some amazing looking recreations of of these cars except in a smaller scale If you like what we're doing here on the Car Guys Report, whether you're into uh, big cars or small cars or something in between, certainly would like to uh, have you rate us when you're listening to us. Uh, You can catch the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Just search for Radio Misfits. You can also search for the Car Guys Report. And please uh, take a moment to uh, rate us. We'd love to uh, get uh, some more positive ratings. We're doing uh, quite well on Apple Podcasts with some five-star ratings, and we would also like to get uh, your rating as well. And also, while you're at any of those platforms, make sure you subscribe to the Car Guys Report because that way you'll get a notification whenever we're um, adding new content, so you'll always be up-to-date on our latest shows. And remember that every podcast that you listen to on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network is entirely free, and we're glad to uh, bring you that. Right here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. We always like to uh, dedicate part of the uh, program to what is coming up on Lou's. Uh, popular YouTube channel called My Car Story with Lou, and obviously Lou is uh, back from his uh, sojourns out west and out east, and he's got uh, tons of stuff that's going to be appearing on the uh, website or on the uh, YouTube channel um, in the coming uh, weeks and months. Lots to look forward to. But what are some of the things that you'd like to talk about right now, Lou? Okay, so
1: a couple of things on the channel. We're going to play. We've been playing a little game with Mark. Sure. It's called. Now this is just specifically on my channel. This is the overall internet in general, but, uh, I'm going to throw three cars at Mark and he's going to pick which one was the most popular based on the number. of And I was three I for yeah. three in the last w- episode. Yeah, so you, 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 uh, you were three for three. So you, you, you batted a hundred, but, um, all right, here we go. So, uh, in no particular order, I'll do it by date order in 1957 Chrysler, New Yorker convertible in turquoise. Okay. A '69 Mercury Cyclone spoiler, Dan Gurney special, okay, and a 2016 Ford Mustang Mach One built to be a Twister special edition.
0: Twisters, what's a what's a Twister special? Does it have the the colored dots from the game? It does not have
1: <laughs> the colored dots from the game. The Twister special would have like an actual lookalike sticker that looks like a Twister. Uh, oh,
0: oh, okay, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah,
1: and it's usually yellow. Yeah. And it was uh, originally in 69, but I'm going to talk about that, too, in a second. But
0: Oh, man, that's a tough one, because um, I know the classics don't get as much love as they should, at least initially. Um, and sometimes the new cars do well, and sometimes they don't. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Twister, the Twister was the worst. Really,
1: Twister had wow. nine hundred views. Wow, so far. I blew it there. Yeah, the twenty sixteen Ford Mach One Twister special tribute. And personally, the car was great. Yeah, I mean, this guy put some you know really nice cues on it and really creative. I mean, you know, to get me to you know, I, I literally jumped off my. My uh, uh, you know, tripod to, to to check it out. Okay, so we didn't get we're zero for one. All right, so what do you think number the, the, one is between the fifty seven Chrysler New Yorker and the sixty nine Mercury Cyclone Dan Gurney special? I'll go with the New Yorker. The New Yorker is the number one. Okay, so you're you got your number two for you got two out of three on this one. So the fifty seven Chrysler New Yorker had twenty thousand and one hundred wow. views. And the Cyclone had 3,004 okay. views. So it right. gave you a nice spread there. Um, a couple of things specifically regarding the Twister. Some cars you probably never heard of because I never heard of them. I'm not saying because I've never heard of them. You have, did you realize in 1985 there was a Twister 2 Mustang GT?
0: I never remember the Twisters at all with uh with the, four, with yeah. the Mustangs. Right. I don't. So, I don't know why. So
1: the Mustang Twister Special, I do have one on the channel. There's, It came out in like 69. Okay. And it was actually like a Kansas City car because, of course, they had all those Twisters Oh, going okay. Them. So they called it a Twister Special. Huh. There's only a couple of them. You know, yeah, I don't. I I don't think maybe there was 150 or something okay. originally or 100. So, so the Twister, this 2016 Twister Special is a tribute to that. And then in 85, they did a Twister 2. But it was really a sticker package on a mustang gt okay man. all right so uh since we're talking about cars that we either knew or didn't know have you ever heard of an m code amazon mary code car from the 60s i've
0: heard of a lot of the the cars that have like code yeah the code type cars i don't know if it was necessarily an m code but i've heard of that Terminology so,
1: before. So I never heard of that terminology, and sometimes you think you know something about cars. Yeah. this is why I have the caretakers tell me because they have so much knowledge, sure. and you you know you find out you don't. Yeah. So um, the M codes, they were featuring them in Carlisle at the Chrysler National. So what happened is uh, they would take like a '68 Dart, and it would go to Grand Spalding Dodge, and they chose about a hundred of them. I think there was actually 52 of the uh, uh, Cudas, the Barracudas, so the 69 Barracuda, right before it became the popular 70 design. So in 69, it would be a 440 Cuda. Wow. They would stuff a 440 if they check the proper Mm M-code box. And the same thing with this Dart, it would go to Grand Spaulding. Now, uh, it was called a Dart GTS. I think it was Grand Touring Sport. Sure, yeah, yeah, I've seen those. But uh, 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 Mr. Norm changed it to a gss okay so for grant spaulding <laughs> special so he took the extra took the t out put a red backing on the s and made it a gss cool so that's coming up on the channel but i knew nothing about these m code cars but boy they had some that were some of my favorites are when they restore them all the way sure back to original, oh yeah and they had some ones that were restored back to original and the, a
0: lot and of those are amazing. could almost be considered one of one because yeah because they're I mean, so specific
1: yeah, they're really cool.
0: Wow, that's awesome. I think I think with the
1: one M-code car that I videoed, it was a, uh, another Dart GTS, that they said something like there were 11 left in mm-hmm. existence. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, um, just make sure to check out Lou's channel uh, as well. When you're done listening to the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, Lou is on YouTube at My Car Story with Lou. And uh, closing in, and can I say it yet or not? Sure. You're You're closing in on 60,000 subscribers. Yeah. should be That's middle, great. Of middle of August. Good, good. Great uh, congratulations on that. Thanks. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, we'll uh, talk a little bit about why body shop costs continue to increase. I always uh, am interested in every time I check in on my uh, Firebird I start talking to the body men there and they tell me all kinds of stuff like why stuff costs so much these days to repair and some very interesting insight there. Also something that Lou is getting all excited about. I don't know. I can't remember if any of his cars were on the list. I think one of them might have been but eight collector cars that are on the rise. We'll uh, be talking about that on the next episode of the Car Guys Report informed automotive. Thanks so much for uh, spending some time with us today. Certainly appreciate having you along for the ride. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasana with OPI Shows.com. Opie is hippo, spelled backwards O P P I H shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great talk radio is dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This
1: has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up?
0: All right, Adam, what uh, country are you from? I am from England. What is the best soccer league in the entire world? The English public premier league what is your day job director of coaching for illinois youth soccer so if you were say a fan of english premier league and you wanted to hear the the opinions of someone who is from england who knows a lot of soccer what podcast would you tell people they need to listen to free kicks with adam and rick and that's on the radio misfits podcast network free kicks a tony Lasano podcast Opie show on the radio misfits podcast network great talk radio isn't dead it just moved to a better place radio misfits.com
1: radio misfits promo take 24 guys um we are part of radio misfits
0: podcast net radio misfits you idiots We are part of... I didn't really make it intended to be a tongue twister. Yeah, I I, know. We are part
1: of the Radio Misfits podcast. podcast. Promo 26. (laughs) I'll be here all day. We are part of Radio Misfit Podcast Network. And uh, close enough for government. Yeah, close enough, huh?
0: Let me say it. Radio Misfits. Douchebags who can't speak. Hear it. On the World Wide Web. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, informed automotive, the reasons why body shop repair costs continue to increase. Plus, we'll take a look at eight collector cars that are on the rise. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, and OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.